and Hound podcast. Hello and welcome to the Horse and Hound podcast. I'm Pippa Rim, magazine editor at Horse and Hound. How is January treating everybody? It is pretty chilly here this week, I have to say, but I'm really looking forward to going arena eventing this weekend. So now I'm going to have to update you on that next week, uh, even if it doesn't go so well. So maybe that was a mistake, but hopefully things will be successful. This week, we have a super special interview for you on the podcast. My colleague, Polly Bryan, talks to the Olympic and European dressage champion, Jessica von Brede-Verndl. She talks about handling the pressure on that big day in Tokyo last summer. I always told myself that the Lehrer doesn't know the difference between the German championships and the Olympics. So why should I make a difference? And the only thing we can do is giving our best. In our news review this week, we'll be talking about fragile foal syndrome, the cost of living and how different grazing systems can benefit the environment. Finally, personal trainer Katie Bleakman will talk about getting your diet on track ready for the 2022 season. Say if you were looking at feeding your horse, you wouldn't just think, right, what's the quickest way I can get him to lose weight? You'd think about keeping condition on, making sure that he's got the balance of all the right nutrients he needs and the same should apply for yourself. More from Katie later. For now, pull on your hairnet and let's get going. Hello, I'm Polly Bryan, dressage editor at Horse and Hound, and I am so excited about the guest we have with us today on the podcast. I'm joined by none other than the reigning Olympic and European champion, Germany's Jessica von Bredo Verndl. Jessica's year in 2021 has been quite simply the stuff of fairy tales. At her first Olympics, she and her gorgeous mare, TSF Delera Bibi, claimed double gold in Tokyo, both team and individual. They went on to repeat that feat at the European Championships in September, dominating in every test and bringing home three gold medals to add to the European bronze they won in 2019. Jessica, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm very well, thank you. And you? Oh, <laughs> excellent. I am doing very well, thank you. What what a year you've had. I think it's actually easy to forget that Tokyo was your first Games, wasn't it? As, because you went in as, as, as favourite to win gold. How was your overall Olympic experience? So for me, I, I knew I would have the chance to win, but um, I didn't expect it actually. <laughs> because, um, to win Olympic Games, everything has to work out and everything has to um, be on point and mm -hmm. you have to yeah, keep your nerves under control. But yeah, Dalera was amazing. Dalera really tried her heart out for me and she gave me that feeling every day that everything is going to be all right. And we've spent such a wonderful time together. It was a real fairy tale, actually. <laughs> it, it really, really was. And I mean, your, your, your biggest rival when it actually came to that Olympic gold medal was, of course, your own teammate, the brilliant Isabel Vett. And I was standing, I, I remember I was standing with you while she did her test and you were waiting to hear if her score would beat um, your own score. And I know at the time you really didn't have any words <laughs> for that moment. <laughs> have you sort of managed to look back at that moment and think of some words to describe it? <laughs> Yes, I looked at it actually maybe two times and I remember the feeling when I realized, so it wasn't for sure that I'm going to mm. be an individual Olympic champion, but at this moment I knew 
I can really make it. <laughs> and and um, <laughs> this feeling was just so emotional and I didn't expect it to be that emotional, but this showed me how much I really wanted it actually, because yeah. I always tried to tell myself, well, you can't do more than giving your best, uh, etc. But the moment you know you can achieve your girly dream, you know, is so incredible <laughs> that um, you can make your dream coming true, that there is a lot of pressure inside myself. At this moment, everything just fell down. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Oh my gosh. I mean, I can't even imagine what that must have felt like. But um, you mentioned sort of in internal pressure there. What, did you feel the pressure coming into that championship having had such an amazing season so far you'd already you know really caught a lot of people's eye you know over a lot of years but with Delera especially that that season how how much pressure did you feel coming into Tokyo um <laughs> it was funny because I always told myself that Delera doesn't know the difference between the German championships and the Olympics so why should I make a difference and the only thing we can do is giving our best. And this is what I told myself every day. Yeah. And, um, but of course, the fear not to perform knocked on my door like every day. And luckily, I'm not there from one to another year. So I could prepare myself during other championships and yeah several years of experience now in this um, top level mm. to be prepared for this moment. I think yeah. it would have been more dif difficult for me if, if I just came up like a shooting star yeah. um, from one to another year without any championship experience. Mm. But over the past years, I've uh, managed to have kind of a toolbox for like a mental toolbox I can grab into i don't know how it's how it's called no that and, makes perfect um, sense <laughs> yeah for example meditations or yeah techniques breathing techniques and and stuff like that which really really helped me and i i've been using it for some years and always when the fear or came up and I was nervous, I knew, okay, now I need this, or now I need that. Mm. <laughs> and it really helped. So I, I could handle the, I wouldn't call it pressure. It was more the fear to make mistakes, actually, because yeah. to make mistakes is on the one side, very normal, but on, on the other hand, it's, it's stupid if it happens there. At <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Olympics of all places. Because you, yeah. you had in, um, in uh, Rotterdam in, in 2019, you, you had quite an up and down championship. You won the individual, well, you yeah. obviously won team gold with Germany, but you won the individual bronze medal, but your, your Grand Prix didn't quite go to plan, did it? Uh, sort of at the start of the mm -hmm. week. And you had to come back from that, which you, <laughs> which you did in, in spectacular fashion. <laughs> yes. So this was a real roller coaster of emotions, the European championships. And this is the worst actually, because at the end I had only one last chance to show that we can do it because at the first test in the Grand Prix, we started with, I think like 
60% because she pooed in the half pass and we couldn't manage to continue the half pass and trot. And, <laughs> Sources um, for you. <laughs> in the, uh, and in the Grand Prix special, she was. So I wanted it too much that we mm. had too many mistakes. And it was just a big, big, big portion of luck that we managed to come into the freestyle because Sönke also had mistakes and it was a very, mm. very close result difference that I managed to come to the freestyle and then I woke up this morning and there I felt real pressure on myself and I thought this is the only and last chance <laughs> to yeah but that was also the day the very first day in my life where I realized that everything is possible Oh my gosh. I mean, it's so many emotions, aren't there, in, in this sport? And, and you've been through, well, all of them, actually. And of course, we had the European Championships again last year in 2021. And um, you, you swept the board there again. What was it like having two major championships in one summer? You had the Olympics and then only a couple of months later, it was, it was the Europeans. Um, actually, it was perfect for me, especially for my head. <laughs> to okay. have to perform again and to show that we are no one hit wonder you know <laughs> and that, that that we had to do it again and that we it's all about our communication it's about our yeah performance and it doesn't change either you're if you're in Tokyo or in Hagen or at the German championships it's always the same yeah. and for me it was the best exercise actually just to keep on doing it okay that's so interesting and of course you did I mean such an amazing job and and certainly proved you a no one hit wonder because you just absolutely <laughs> dominated and it was so wonderful to watch tell me a little bit more about Delera she has been so incredibly consistent this year and she's just such a magical mare to, to watch um, in the ring what would she like to train to bring up to this level she has always had a lot of energy and she is very, very, very smart. And as soon as she understood how she can use her body and then she got more and more strength, mm. she, no, she, she had fun along the way all the time. I, I, I felt that, but it got really easy for her. You know, she was like, oh, okay, no problem. <laughs> that's the feeling she gives you you know and um, because she's clever she is super super good in regeneration so she can calm down immediately she is super relaxed on um on the plane or in the lorry perfectly relaxed on competitions which helps her a lot for her recharging <laughs> and she is um a real rock star in in the arena you know she wants to present herself and you can really see that from, from watching her. She looks as though she belongs in the arena. She looks as though she feels completely at home between the whiteboards and she loves to show off, right? Yes, she does. Definitely. <laughs> and, and she wants to compete. So it, it would mm. be a shame for her if I didn't compete her. So especially she doesn't like long breaks. So she okay. wants to come out regularly and she needs her intervals like up and down and up and down so I give her a lot of um, days or weeks of regeneration after uh, competitions but then she also feels when the next competition is coming 
and she gets really hot. So she really shows me that she's motivated and she wants to to go. <laughs> oh my gosh. And they are the most amazing horses to ride, aren't they? The ones that just really want to do it. Definitely. So let's go back in time a little bit. You you were very successful actually as a, as a youth rider, weren't you? You won, I think it was six gold medals as a junior and, and young rider back in the day. Yeah. But but am I right in thinking that you actually found the, the jump from young riders to seniors quite challenging? It was quite a quite a tricky time. Yes, it was so difficult because the horses we had at this time were okay for the U25 for the Pierre Förderpreis. At this time, there was no European Championships. For the under 25 riders. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, we didn't manage to buy early enough young horses to build up for higher level early enough. And then we had like six years, no success at all. And we really struggled. So we, it's my brother and me. Your brother um, Benjamin, also a, a yes. top international Grand Prix rider, <laughs> of course. And yeah, we both studied. We both um, were working in another in different jobs, mm. plus riding. But we both thought about quitting the professional sport because we were so unsuccessful. And luckily, I met a good coach, kind of a life coach, <laughs> who just asked the right questions to, yeah, to remember what I really want. It was like when it's raining very hard and you switch on um, in your car, how, uh, car, how it's called, that you can see when you drive. Oh, the, the, <laughs> the windscreen ropers. Yes, yes. I had to and think then, about that then. <laughs> yes, and, and, and finally I could, I could see, I could feel my real, uh, yeah, truth and, and what I really want. That's amazing. And, and then I, I realized that it's the horses and I told this to my brother and I said, so I want to make a commitment to myself at this age. I was at the end of 24 and I gave myself until I'm 30 and to give it all into the horses and then we can redecide. So if you're okay. still unsuccessful, we can still do anything else because we are we finished our studies. We yeah. are, were already two years in a job, so we could go anywhere afterwards. Yeah, and obviously, by the time you got there, yeah. it was uh, it was going quite well. <laughs> yes, when I was twenty eight, I was in the German A team, and I knew everything was the right decision. <laughs> oh my gosh! I mean, definitely the right decision. <laughs> and of course, it was with um, the wonderful Uni Bibi that you sort of really established yourself at the at the very top level. Um, I mean, he just was such a fantastic partner for you, wasn't he? The perfect partner and the perfect and best teacher you could have wished for. Because he was a horse who already did Grand Prix or at least Intermediate 2. And we always bought young horses and learned together with them, which is really good. And I think you can learn most of it, but I wasn't used to connect with a horse who was built up by another rider. Okay. So for me, it was important to learn his language first before we develop a common language and yeah, that was a very, very good journey. And especially a journey where I learned 
a lot. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I imagine and about yeah. different ways to to communicate with the horses. It's amazing the journey that you've that you've been on. And nowadays you're you're based with your brother, aren't you, ben, with Benjamin, um, and working very very closely alongside him. How how does that work? How is it working with with a family member with your brother? We can argue like normal brother and sister, but <laughs> you know, in general, it's we have an extraordinary good um, partnership. So we love each other. We can argue, but um, latest when we are sitting on the next horse, we are fine because we mm. want uh, one another's eye to look at yeah. each other <laughs> to help. Yeah. No, it's it's really good, and we've been running um, this business together for yeah fifteen years now. At the beginning, oh, wow. after after school, um, we st our parents gave us the um, opportunity to learn by ourselves and also the whole responsibility we had <laughs> at the early twenties. And we learned pretty fast that the only chance to survive in a sense of money, you know, yeah. um, mm. if we also sell horses, so it had to be a business. Otherwise, um, there is no chance uh, to do the sport for us. So we also buy, bought horses, trained them up and sold them yeah. um, to keep the yard running. And we are a super team and it's so good to have my brother by my side because I think without him, I wouldn't be that successful. Yeah, how lovely to have a partner in that sense by by your side, sort of helping you along the way and, and being such a part of part of your, your journey every single day. Um, I know that you were uh, over the sort of last couple of years, well, over 2020, especially when things were very quiet um, and we had uh, lockdown. I know you uh, things were not so quiet for you because you launched um, a couple of training programs, didn't you, over that yeah. time, a, a fitness program and a, and a dressage training program. How was that kind of rerouting to a slightly different project when there were no competitions on? It was super exciting and it was a lot of fun, but also a lot of work, of course, because for us, I think it's important to share everything we have learned so far. And the good thing about online courses are that you can always renew them. So, because we, we will never stop learning. So you can always make updates. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah update them. And um, I think it's so good if you, if you have learned so many things, how to train the horses. And we like to help others to follow, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because then they don't need to make the same mistakes as we did. So it can be easier for the horses, yeah. especially. <laughs> well, it's wonderful to sort of, to have you sharing your, your experience. And I know you take um, your own personal fitness very, very seriously. I remember uh, interviewing you after, I think it was your, you must've been your first ride in Tokyo and it was so hot. And I remember you saying that, you know, you had a pretty high level of, of fitness, but you found the heat quite Quite, quite a struggle out there just tell me a bit about your fitness routine and uh and and sort of what you do to to be able to ride as well as you do yes we've been training with an um personal coach for more than 10 years now his name is marcel andre and i showed it sometimes on instagram that i'm 
doing sports mm. and the community pushed me to show them <laughs> what exactly I'm doing. And from that point, um, the idea was born to, to make an online training program yeah. out of it. And it's called Tresurfit. And it's actually very successful. And it's also translated into English. And Amazing. we are just, we just started to translate all the uh, academy courses clinics so i don't know how it's called it's course or mm. clinic i don't know um into english yeah but the fitness program is a functional training which doesn't take longer than 10 to 30 minutes because it's fo it's focused on the needs we need as a rider it's hip mobility it's core strength it's um shoulder mobility really to focus on the needs we have as a rider to be yeah. independent with your hands from the body, mm -hmm. to have a long leg, which can, and you can swing in your hip, but still have the strength in your core to sit deep in the horse's back. Because for us, it's so important not to disturb our horses in their big movements. And if you're not fit and if you're not able to sit the movements of our horses, and we normally want bouncy swinging horses yeah. then we say we are not the right partners for them we are not yeah. the right partners to dance with if yeah. we are not able to sit them properly of course and of course we you know we, we spend all this time training training the horses to such a high level and and I think a lot of people often forget that they have to train themselves to an, an equivalent yeah. level to be able to do the horses justice so I think I think it's really inspiring that you you take that so seriously and it's such a priority for you and clearly it uh, it works <laughs> yeah but but I can tell you it, I'm not always motivated and I also have ups and downs and I have okay. <laughs> of course weeks especially course. before championships I'm more than motivated and yeah. after the Europeans it was like four or six weeks I didn't do any extra sport. I was so empty and I was so tired. <laughs> but then oh. I started again and it's 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 okay, but it's so good and I feel so much better when I do it regularly. Yeah, of course. And so um what is in store for 2022? What's what what do you have planned for for the year? Do you have set plans for the year yet? I know I know we've all learned to be quite adaptable in our in our plans yeah. for the last couple of years. <laughs> um but what are you what are you sort of looking at for the for this year? For the World Cup finals, I really hope they will take place. Mm. And I'm still not qualified because I only had the chance to ride one qualifier in, with Ferdinand. Yeah. So I really have to bring um, Dalera to a qualifier, but Amsterdam cancelled. Yeah, of course. So it's not that easy, actually. I hope that there will be Neumünster or at least Gothenburg. And then one more. And then... And I have to be lucky to be qualified. It's not that easy when yeah. we don't know if the competitions will take place. I don't want to hide Dalera just for the outdoor season because okay. she doesn't like it. And I always think I get better when I compete and she loves it. So we should do it. 
<laughs> yeah, well then, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's great to hear that we will hopefully um, be seeing you out uh, out and about sooner rather than later on on lovely Delera. Um, you've given us all so much joy watching you perform in 2021 and we can't wait to see what happens in 2022. One more question, Polly, one more question. Was it you I was talking to for an interview and you wrote in it, it was a written text mm. i just hang up the phone and i was wondering if i just spoke to the next olympic champion was yes, it you that was me yeah <laughs> crazy <laughs> you wrote the sentence but i have this text in my heart and it was the <laughs> first time the really first time i confronted myself with this topic because <laughs> there was al always isabel Isabel, Isabel, Isabel. Yeah. And it was actually one month later after our interview, she was unbeaten with, with um, Bella Rose. Yeah. And you wrote this <laughs> sentence and I was like, whew. <laughs> <laughs> There are some people who really believe that it's true, it's possible. So oh. I should start so believing it. It was crazy, but... I'm so yeah. glad it came true. <laughs> yes. I read it and I was like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't just read it. It really touched me. So amazing. it was kind of a motivation that yeah. someone like you, <laughs> who is surrounded by Charlotte and Carl and anyone mm. who could have thought that about anyone, that you <laughs> wrote this sentence. It was um, really, um, it was a big motivation for me, actually. So thank you. Oh my gosh, that's so amazing to hear. <laughs> um, Jessica, thank you so much for coming on the Horse and Hound podcast. Thank you. Thank you also for your time. <laughs> so I'm joined now by two of my colleagues from the Horse and Hound news desk. It feels like a long time since we've done this. It was before Christmas, I think, because I was off last week. But I'm joined by our news editor, Eleanor Jones. How are you, Eleanor? Yeah, all good. Thank you. We're getting there. Only about six weeks till March, even if it is blimmin' freezing. <laughs> <laughs> you are not a fan of the chilly weather, are you? <laughs> Don't know how you guessed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, but you've been out jumping a bit, I think. Yeah, had some good shows. Actually managed to win over Christmas, which is so rare. I'm going to mention it, even though it was weeks ago. And then, yeah, just had a couple of four full ISIS rounds, one of which was because I didn't get there in time to walk the course. So let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Moving swiftly on to our senior news writer, Lucy Elder. How are you, Lucy? I'm very well, thank you, Pippa. I've been I've been out racing this weekend, which was foggy, uh, but really lovely and really nice to be back in kind of that. It was a really happy atmosphere. So yeah, I had a lovely weekend. How about you? Oh, that's nice. Yes, I was away last week, actually, in the Lake District, which was very nice. We were supposed to be skiing, but because it was meant to be in France, that didn't happen. So last minute reroute to the Lake District, which I think actually there's quite a lot of similarities between a walking holiday and skiing, mainly the fact mm. that you spend a lot of time looking at the weather forecast and talking about your kit and looking at <laughs> other people's kit <laughs> and judging other people according to their kit, which when I posted about this on Facebook, Eleanor actually pointed out that's also quite similar <laughs> to riding. <laughs> I guess it's outdoors, isn't it? All of those things, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah exactly it's outdoors we're ruled by the weather and by having the right clothing <laughs> and hopefully not hitting the deck too often <laughs> yeah that is also that. another that is another factor in all three of those sports <laughs> Right. Well, on to the serious news for the week. Eleanor, you have been looking at what we used to call warm blood fragile fall syndrome, but it seems that it now has to be renamed after the the story that we've been looking at this week. Can you just start by giving us a quick rundown for those who are less familiar with this syndrome? Tell us how does it affect falls? What happens when, when they have this problem? Yeah, it's a, it's a nasty connective tissue disorder, which is caused by a, a DNA change in a, in a certain gene. And the foals usually are born, they have this very thin, fragile skin, and they're born with these extensive skin lesions or musculoskeletal abnormalities. Um, and that means they're usually either aborted or stillborn, or they have to be put down very soon after birth. Oh, it sounds horrible. And traditionally, this is something that we've seen in warm blood foals, but this new study shows that now it's not confined solely to that type of force. Is that right? Yeah. So as you said, this this was known as warm blood fragile foal syndrome, but um, a team of researchers from the University of California Davis Veterinary Genetics Laboratory had identified the same change in the same gene in other breeds. So they approached the Royal Vet College's Equine Pregnancy Lab to screen for the condition in their bank of cases of pregnancy loss. And um, a thoroughbred foal that was put down because it had extensive skin lesions was tested and it was found that the same gene variant was the likely cause of this foal's condition. And this is the first documented case of the syndrome caused by that variant in a breed that is not a warm blood. Hmm, interesting. But it is a syndrome that can be avoided by screening because it's it's to do with recessive genes. Can you talk us through how that works? Yes. Yeah, so for a foal to be affected, it has to have two copies of the gene mutation, one each from the dam and the sire. So the, the good side of it is that with careful screening, um, you should be able to avoid affected foals. Hmm, but screening is something that I guess might now have to happen in other sorts of horses, not just warm bloods. Is that, is yes. that right? Yeah, we spoke to the Thoroughbred Breeders Association and they've said this is significant and more screening may be needed in future. Thank you, Eleanor. Lucy, we have been hearing a lot in the mainstream news at the moment about the cost of living crisis. And you've been writing about this from the point of view of the horse world this week. And I know you spoke to Claire Williams at BETA, the British Equestrian Trade Association. What did she say about it? Yes, Pippa, as you said, it is something that we've been hearing a lot about in in the national press with all these think tank studies and news from the Office of National Statistics predicting pressures on our wallets, basically, and on businesses to 2022. So I spoke to Claire um, to get an overview of what the pressures are. And she basically she told me it's it's a really complex picture. And there's not just one thing causing this, there's lots of factors um, to give kind of a whistle-stop tour of what these are. They include the escalating shipping costs is one of the really big ones, impact of Brexit, the pandemic, which also includes, you know, staff shortages owing to isolation or illness, rising fuel costs, the predicted rising energy costs, high inflation, gap between wage rises and cost of living. We've got spiking fertilizer costs, which is important when you think about producing feed and bedding for horses and things. And there's also increase in product wrapping costs as part of that. So it's really, it's important stuff. And there's also as well the crossover of some of the markets um, with the equestrian world and and the wider economy out there which is adding pressure as well so for example there's some materials that are used in feed or bedding will also have value in energy markets so it's 
it's a it's a big picture and i think what's true to say is that of course these are factors that are impacting the economy um and people's lives and businesses as a whole, as a whole. it's not you know these aren't exclusive to just the whole horse world uh, facing rising shipping costs in terms of goods and things or or any of those but the equestrian world it's it's not immune to those it's not in its own bubble it's going to affect it it is affecting the horse world so yeah, a heavy one for early January, but it is it is really important. Yeah, definitely. As you say, it's a it's a heavy topic, but uh, an important one. Who else did you interview for the story? What other insight did you get, Lucy? So what I really wanted to do was to focus on different corners of the industry to give kind of a decent snapshot of what it all means. I mean, I couldn't go to every corner of the industry, or I think we'll probably have a very very long and very heavy book um, but I did speak to I spoke to a livery yard owner I also spoke to NFU because I wanted kind of a, a bit more of an idea about the pressures that those producing our horse feed and bedding things might be facing um, and Red Wings as well uh, the charity to get a, a bit of an idea about the welfare situation and how that might tie into it as well and you can read kind of all those what they all had to say in the article itself um but to give another flavor so lynn cutress a, a red wings chief executive she explained how the charity is looking at this uh as i said from a welfare perspective and she told me that they're in regular contact with other charities to share information and monitor kind of the number of horses reported and also the reasons that they're having horses reported which i thought was really interesting uh, for her not just to say you know we're monitoring the situation but this is what we're looking at to kind of gauge what the picture is she also shared a bit about how their costs have escalated significantly both as an employer and of course in what the charity does and caring and providing care for those horses and she encouraged anyone thinking of taking on a horse at the moment to really do their sums carefully so yeah there's some some really good insight really interesting insight and hidden costs and things that I hadn't foreseen um, which have come out in in that article through through the people I spoke to. Mm, and a lot more insight in Lucy's story as well with extra interviews and so on in this week's magazine. Thank you, Lucy. Eleanor, this week we also have a story in the magazine about how different grazing systems can benefit the environment as well as benefiting horses. Tell us about the study that sparked this story. Yeah, this was really interesting. Um, the study was looking at use of different grazing methods like tracks and maybe woodland turnout uh, and things like that. And they ha they had something like seven over 750 responses and they wanted to look at the different systems and, and why people were using them like for weight management. But the results were unexpected in that it, it really came out that owners were giving consideration to things like biodiversity, soil health and rewilding when they were thinking about and putting in place these alternative grazing systems. Mm. And when we're talking about those alternative grazing systems, for example, tracking, we actually had a feature in our vet pages maybe in the last year or so about that sort of thing. And it's really interesting. It's sort of things like not having a big square field and you put your horses in the big square field, but maybe putting a track around the outside to encourage the horses to sort of take exercise, to forage, to move around to different areas and putting, you know, that the horses may be hay in one place, water in another place. So you encourage them to keep moving and it could be good for the horses, mental and physical health and for the way that you, you manage your pasture. And there's a lot of variations on that, but that's sort of, as I understand it, the, the basics of, of, of a sort of tracked, tracked grazing system. What, what other sort of things came out of the responses to that survey, Eleanor? Well, we spoke to to one lady who's a biologist in Wales and, and she said they had what she called rough grazing with nettles and brambles and, and hedges and things. And she didn't want to just have 
short horse grazing everywhere so she left the bits that aren't in the tracks bits <laughs> if that makes sense long and and they get wild flowers there and so they see kestrels and they can see that for hunting when the horses aren't there she tries not to she tries to dig out weeds sorry so she's not spraying them with chemicals and then that therefore keeps the wild flowers um and then we were there were other people who said things like they poo pick the field every day but they use the muck to spread elsewhere to let dung beetles prosper and and things like that and it just it, it was really nice to hear that as a community a horse owning community we are thinking of other benefits uh, as well as those benefits to our horses Mm. And of course, people who own horses have control and management of a, a lot of, of area of land in this country and beyond. So it's really good to hear that. Thank you, Eleanor. And thank you to you too, Lucy, for joining us today. So now we're going over to Katie Bleakman, an online fitness coach and personal trainer specialising in equestrian athletes. Katie has evented to a high level, winning Team Silver at the Eventing Pony Europeans, and now riders all over the world can benefit from her online coaching programme, Event Rider Fitness. Over to you, Katie. So in today's episode, we are chatting about getting back on track after the festive period with your diet and eating. I hope you all had a lovely Christmas and managed to enjoy yourself. And if you're anything like me, you probably needed all the yard work and mucking out at home to keep us from storing all the extra calories and keep ourselves moving. So I was very grateful to be mucking out a few days over the Christmas holidays. So you've overconsumed a little bit over Christmas. Maybe you've drank a bit too much alcohol or a little bit more alcohol than normal. You've eaten slightly more processed foods, you know, the goody, treaty, high calorie foods, things like chocolate, sweets, maybe uh, more cake type things, desserts. And you've started the new year feeling a little bit down in yourself. You feel a bit rough, a bit bloated, de-energized. And that is all just because you've not eaten well. And just like your horse, if we're not fueling ourselves really well, you're not going to feel amazing either physically or mentally in yourself. And it's really important to remember that your diet and what you put in your body massively contributes to your energy levels, your mood. So if you've not eaten amazingly, you're not going to feel your best as we start the new year. And it's really important to remember that things like alcohol, um, alcohol is actually a depressant and that will not help you to feel amazing amazing at the start of the new year. Things like eating too much sugar, you'll find that you're going to have sugar crashes and big dips. When you overconsume sugar, your blood sugar levels, your glucose levels rise rapidly, which in turn makes your body release insulin. And that's a normal process. But what happens when you overconsume sugar is that your uh, blood sugar increases very, very rapidly. And then your body produces actually too much insulin. Um, and then what happens is your blood sugars plummet, and that's called the dip um, below normal levels. And that can give you that horrible kind of like sugar crashes, those burns. So it's really important to think about how your diet is contributing to how you feel both physically and mentally. And at this time of the year, whether it's on the TV or in magazines, we're all aware of seeing that diet culture, you know, um, telling us that we need to maybe start a uh, slim shake diet, or maybe we should try fasting for 16 hours of the day. And the whole thing we see now with food and diet is this real like diet weight loss culture a quick fix and at the end of the day eating well is to fill your body and to perform your body say if you were looking at feeding your horse you wouldn't just think right what's the quickest way I can get him to lose weight you're thinking you think about keeping condition on making sure that he's got the balance of all the right nutrients he needs and the same should apply for yourself and rather than focusing on the solution as such or the end goal what we should be focusing on is actually your diet behaviors and your habits towards food you <laughs> 
And what you want to do at this time of the year is just focus on making some really small changes to your current habits to get yourself back on track and start building some habits that are going to serve you uh, better and in a healthier way in the long run. I don't believe in restrictions or banning foods from your diet because what will happen in the long run is that creates this whole uh, very negative mindset towards food, this very all or nothing approach. And you'll find that at the end of the day, you can't stick to it as much as yes, I'm a trainer, I'm a coach, I'm a health and wellness advocate and food is obviously there to fuel you and make you feel good but it's really important that at the end of the day you still remember foods there to be enjoyed meals out are a nice time to spend with family and friends so it's really important that you have that balance and don't restrict certain foods or food types one really easy way to start to get your diet back on track is doing really simple swap outs say you're having two teaspoons of sugar in a cup of tea or coffee if you're having say 10 cups of tea a day there's 16 calories in each teaspoon of sugar so two teaspoons that's 32 calories in a cup that's not so bad but when you think about that across 10 cups a day that's 320 calories which if the goal is weight loss or to reduce sugar consumption that's a huge amount of calories going into your body through liquid consumption so one simple swap you could do is maybe reduce that to one teaspoon a day that cut your calories in half or you could possibly think about swapping your sugar out for a sweetener or a stevia if that's an option for you rather than just focusing on a weight loss side of things you want to think about really fueling your body with goodness so make sure you're adding a protein source to each meal protein is important to keep you feeling satiated and full after meals um, it's really important as well to give your muscles the recovery they need from training or runs whatever you are doing so making sure you have a decent serving of protein with each meal is really important you can use something called the palm size serving guide to uh, get your meals a little bit more balanced in your plate of foods so it's super simple obviously the palm of your hand doesn't change size and it goes with you everywhere so what you want to focus on doing is with your plate of food you want to think about the palm of your hand having a serving of protein a fist of vegetables a cupped handful of carbohydrate and then one thumbs worth of serving of fats and making sure that then around that you pack out your meals with plenty of fruit and veg as that's where you're going to get your vitamins and minerals from just like your horses have their supplements your veg gives you the supplements that you need to have your body functioning as it should and especially at this time of the year making sure you've got all your vitamins and minerals in things like vitamins d vitamin c really really important to boost your immune system and keep you really feeling good and again if weight loss is the goal or you just want to get a little bit more control and information on your diet something you could do would be download a calorie tracking app maybe like my fitness pal and what that will help you to do is actually educate you about your calorie intake your uh, diet breakdown in terms of your macronutrient splits so how much protein you're consuming how much fat you're consuming and the whole point of tracking your food it's not to be restrictive with calories or stop yourself from uh, overeating a certain amount but it's to educate yourself and what you'll find that in the long run this is going to actually give you way more freedom with your diet as then you are able to have the knowledge and you can make far better, more informed choices. So keep thinking about doing all the small things that in the long run are going to lead up to some really big changes. But at the time, it doesn't really feel like you're changing very much. There's always as well uh, smart swap outs, things like now you can get low calorie, high protein ice creams, desserts. So there's always, always options. And I think that's really important to remember. But make sure as well you're allowing yourself flexibility. Eat the foods you like as well as the foods that you know are good for you. It's really important to start to move away from that 
good versus bad mindset. Food is food. And yes, some food is going to serve you better in terms of give your body more goodness. It's going to have more nutritious benefit. But at the end of the day, like I said at the start, food is there to be enjoyed. And even after the festive period, you want to still let yourself have some flexibility. So having an 80-20 approach, 20% of the time, allowing yourself to have that glass of wine or maybe it's uh, some chocolate after a long day out hunting, whatever it is for you. But focus on moving towards the goal. And if you have a slip or a trip, don't panic. Just focus on doing one thing that can move you back closer. I had a client recently that had a really bad day and had an accident with her horse. And she found herself ending up at McDonald's, over-consuming, and she ate at McDonald's to make herself feel better. And what actually happened was that she felt 20 times worse afterwards. She's had these feelings of guilt. She felt horrible that she'd eaten and over-consumed on her calories and eaten a really bad food. And all I said to her was, okay, let's focus on one thing that you can do for the rest of this evening that helps you move back towards that goal and first of all her reaction was nope we'll do 10 things I'm not going to eat this for the next week and I said no one thing and what we did that night was we just made a home-cooked meal focused on eating well getting nutrition back into her diet and the next day she was back to normal back eating well and on track with a balanced approach so don't worry if you have a bit of a hard time you know when we're going things like indoor show jumping at this time of the year the temptation is still going to be there to go and grab a burger or maybe a chocolate bar and after christmas it's going to be around you as well but you can help yourself combat those issues by being organized by taking some options with you you know prep up a breakfast things like overnight oats are great at this time of the year you can heat them up if possible um, or you could have them cold maybe taking uh, like some soup with you or some wraps just take options and then as well as hitting your goals you're going to be saving yourself money in the long run too and again at the end of the day if you have a hot chocolate or a bacon bat that's absolutely fine and life is about balance so focus on fueling yourself for your riding for your gym to feel good rather than from a weight loss point of view and if you are going out you know to hunt bulls at this time of year things like that then what I would say is just consider your daily intake throughout the day. Maybe be conscious if you know you're going to have a more social evening where maybe you're going to eat a bit more rich food, so therefore calories will be higher, or you're going to have a few alcoholic drinks, and then again, you know, you're going to be consuming more. Just be conscious of that and think, right, okay, I'm going to have a slightly lighter lunch to normal, and then you're allowing for, say, like a 1,000 calories of flexibility in the evening. But like I said, if you do have weight loss or gain goals, then focusing on the performance and fueling yourself to feel good is going to make the journey far more enjoyable and it's so important especially at this time of the year that you think about enjoying yourself allowing yourself flexibility as well as eating to feel good for any more information on any of the topics that we've discussed today you can head to my instagram platform and feel free to dm me or ask for any advice at kkbleakman underscore equestrian pt thank you katie Katie will be back next time to talk about hip mobility for riders and we'll be speaking to Harry Charles, the young British show jumper who made a big hit with his three wins at the London International Horse Show just before Christmas. Join us next week to hear from Harry and Katie and of course for the week's news review. Goodbye. The Horse and Hound podcast is a Media Cage production.